Acts chapter 12 is where we are. And uh, we'll be finishing up Acts 12 this morning, Lord willing. And uh, last week, just a quick review, we find Peter, we found Peter in prison with uh, great peace. God released him. Uh, his chains fell off and uh, a real miracle from God. And yet we found Peter had to get up and uh, get dressed, walk out of there. And so there are means. Uh, God will do his part, but we are to be actively, actively involved in uh, this work that he is doing. He doesn't do for us what uh, we can't do for ourselves. And great illustration of that is the children at the Red Sea. God parted it, but they had to walk across on dry land. And, uh, and so... Remember that in, in your walk, that you have responsibilities. God is working, but uh, be sensitive to his leading in your life. We see today what happens to Herod as this story continues. And remember, God is glorified in his showing mercy to great sinners like us and Peter, but also he's glorified in his justice towards sinners. Uh, who oppress particularly God's people, which is hard sometimes to, to understand, but he's glorified in that. We, uh, we're told of Herod's death. It's not a very pretty death at all. It's a very painful death. And uh, let's read together about this man, Herod. And he is certainly not one that we should emulate at all. Uh, we will see his, uh, his character, that he was bloodthirsty. He was anti-Christ. Uh, and then we see his death. Let's go back and read verses 1 through 3 of chapter 12. It says, Now about that time Herod the king stretched out his hand to har harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because... He saw that it pleased the Jews. He proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now skipping down to verse 20. Now Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, but they came to him with one accord, and having made Blastus the king's personal aid their friend, they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. So on a... Set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. And the people kept shouting, The voice of a God and not of a man. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of the Lord grew and multiplied. Eaten with worms. I don't know. Uh, the good doctor could probably tell us this morning what he had, but maybe tape worms. I don't know. But uh, it was certainly painful. And, uh, and he reaped what he sowed, if you will. And the wages of sin is death. And, and, and we see all of that in Scripture. But two points this morning. Elimination. Herod was slain. And then expansion. That is, the gospel spreads. 
And uh, we find here in this story that Herod is angry at the people. And uh, they realize that. And uh, they want him to, to get on their side, uh, to butter him up, if you will. And uh, uh, so, they would, so he would uh, bless them and give them the food that they needed. And uh, so this quarrel was going on with Tyre and Sidon, which today, by the way, is the modern city of Lebanon, modern Lebanon. Uh, these were coastal cities slightly north of Caesarea, where Herod uh, was at this time. And uh, it was probably over some trade issue, but nonetheless, uh, they depended on their food uh, from Herod. And uh, he, they knew that he could stop that supply very easily. So they needed to get, it on, get on his good side. Have you ever buttered up somebody to get on their good side? All right, husbands, have you ever... <laughs> uh, yes, we have all have been guilty of that. Uh, and what way to do that than with flattery? With flattery. And so they decided to get a mediator. Blastus was his name. What a, you know, I'd have to change it, I think, if that was my name. But, but anyway, uh, this Blastus was a personal trusted servant of the king uh, who had uh, his ear, and so they probably bribed him, although we don't know, to help. And he must have worked for the king and uh, in so doing got the king to throw a big party and invited all of these people uh, to this get-together get of pomp and circumstance and this was in Herod's palace which was very grand and if you want to go on the internet under Wikipedia they have even restored it if you will it shows the ruins and then probably how it looked in his day it's really impressive huge with a great big swimming pool uh, but uh, it was even fed by a 20 mile aqueduct that came from Mount Carmel to, to keep it supplied with fresh water. And uh, it's, it's just amazing. It had an amphitheater there that would seat up to 10,000 people. They had chariot races and games were played. And, and so this was a real palace. As a matter of fact, this, uh, below this palace, there was a dungeon. You remember who waited execution in that dungeon? John the Baptist. And uh, by another Herod, but still, this is where he lost his head. And so anyway, Herod dresses up and gives a great speech, as we have just read, and they begin to flatter him. Uh, and he loved it. He, he loved what they were saying. What did they say? You are a God. You are a God. And... Uh, Wow, that's, that's, that's flattery, you might say, at its height. But the problem was he accepted it. And uh, this man was glory hungry. He was a glory thief, a glory thief. The message this morning, I think, I think it was entitled, uh, Are You a Glory Thief? 
or you're a glory thief. And so, you know, it's easy to point a finger at Herod, but do we seek glory? A lot of the songs I know I noticed were about glorifying God, were they not? And uh, or do we like to re, uh, receive praise and credit and glory, or do we give all glory to God? And uh, sometimes it's hard to do, hard to do. Uh, flattery is a dangerous thing. It's easy to get the big head, and the Bible warns against those who flatter. Proverbs 29.5 says, Those who flatter their neighbors are spreading nets for their feet. So these people were guilty of spreading a net uh, for his feet. Uh, you know, they, it says Psalm 12, one, uh, 2 and 3, everyone, uh, li- uh, everyone lies to their neighbor. They flatter with their lips, but harbor deception in their hearts. In other words, they had a purpose behind this flattery. Do I think that they believed that this was a God? Not at all. But you know what? He accepted it as such. May the Lord silence all flattering lips and every boastful tongue. Every boastful tongue. Are you ever boastful? Yes. Don't think you're not. We as Christians are boastful. And I'm going to talk about that at the end. We can be very boastful. And we shouldn't be. We should be humbled, not boastful, humbled as we think even of our, our own salvation. We should be humbled that God would save a worm like me, a wretch like me as amazing grace. They understood the meaning of amazing grace. Then we see, secondly, the sinning of the king. The first point was the swaying of the king. Now the sinning of the king. The sin was he took the glory himself. Josephus, it's interesting, uh, he was a Jewish, a Jewish historian, not a Christian, and yet he was living during this time, and he writes about that in the works of Josephus, interesting enough. Notice how it's much like what Luke says. Of course, this is not inspired. So uh, he has a whole lot to say. I'm skipping over a lot of it because it would take a lengthy time to do that. But he says, At which festival a great multitude was gotten together of the principal persons and such as were of dignity through his province. On the second day of which shows he put on a garment made wholly of silver, and of a contexture truly wonderful, and came into the theater early in the morning, at which time the silver of his garment, being illuminated by the fresh reflection of the sun's rays upon it, shone out after a surprising manner, and was so resplendent as to spread a horror over those who looked intently upon him. And presently his, his flatterers cried out, one from one place and another from another, though, uh, not for, though not for his good, that he was a God. And they added, Be thou merciful to us, for although we have hitherto reverenced thee only as a man, yet shall we henceforth own thee as a superior to, uh, to mortal nature. Upon this the king did neither rebuke them nor reject their flattery. 
Then it says, skipping down, he says, a severe pain also arose in his belly and began in a most violent manner. Accordingly, he was carried into the palace, and the rumor went abroad everywhere that he would certainly die in a little time. And when he had been quite worn out by the pain in his belly for five days, he departed this life, being in the 54th year of his age. Isn't that, isn't that neat? <laughs> Incredible. Uh, and yet Luke, not in this detail, but talks about that. And uh, uh, Josephus was one who was quite reliable in what he wrote. He may have even been there. I don't know. But anyway, certainly uh, he knew the story. But anyway, Herod, do you think not he knew not to receive this flattery? I believe so. Matter of fact, Josephus, if you read the full account, says that. He knew better than to do that. Uh, But he was reveling in the fact that they thought he was a god. Uh, You know, we need to never receive the worship that is only due to God. And I say credit to. Think about that in your own life. What do you take credit for in your life? It's a humbling thought. Herod was a man in love with himself, full of pride. He loved to hear his praises. Herod was stealing the glory that only belongs to God. You know, another man in Scripture did that. It was Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel 4, 29 through 33, you can go back and read the whole chapter. And uh, he said, I did this, I did that. Anyway, 12 months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Whoo, that's pretty. Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Boy, there was a humbling thing that happened. And, of course, he comes to his senses, as we know, Read on, and, and uh, it's a great story, even to where Nebuchadnezzar praises God for who he is. And uh, so be careful in your life to give all glory to God. If somebody pats you on the back and says, well done, you'll say, just say, God enabled me to do it. If it was a blessing to you, it wasn't me. It was God working in me both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Because that's the truth. From beginning to end. Uh, we need to see that. You know, Paul, who was smart, very intelligent man, was killing Christians, hated Christ, would never have come to Christ. He says, for by grace 
are you saved through faith and even the faith is not of yourselves it's the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast glory you better be careful what you take credit for in the spiritual realm even in the physical realm oh I'm strong ooh that's dangerous I've said that and ended up with all sorts of problems we're going to all have problems you better be careful about boasting. And then thirdly, we see uh, the striking of the king with tapeworms probably. Again, the good doctor could probably fill us in on uh, probably what he really had. But uh, someone said uh, tapeworms would produce a, uh, and form a ball <clears throat> probably in the intestines, would eat through the lining, uh, would become septic, and very painful, and uh, would die from it. So I, I don't know. I'll ask you after. <laughs> so be thinking about that, because I'm kind of curious uh, to know. But anyway, it's interesting. One that forgot he was a worm was eaten up with worms. That's what one commentator said. I said, whoa, that nails it, doesn't it? He who forgot he was a worm a wretched man, saved uh, uh, by God, God using him and so forth. No, he, he took the glory and was eaten up with worms. He wasn't humbled. Also, this man's grandfather, Herod the Great, guess how he died? Eaten up by worms. Isn't that ironic? And then our second point this morning is the gospel spreads. Verses 24 and 25 as we read. The situation is reversed. Notice that. Uh, how the chapter begins and how this chapter ends. It begins with James beheaded and Herod triumph, triumphing. It ends with Herod dead and God's word triumphant. Isn't that interesting? Uh, what is the point? What is the point Luke's trying to make? It says in Psalm 2, 1 through 6, Why do the nations conspire and the people plot in vain? Note, in vain. You know, give me a break. What do they think they're going to do? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven does what? He laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. God's in charge. God's in charge. He's got it all under control. We need to be thankful for that. In other words, you can't win. You can't win. You fight against God. You buck God. You're headed for trouble. I know. I tried it. It didn't work. And Jesus, though, sits at the right hand of the Father, ever, ever interceding for us. We find here also a student recruited. I won't spend much time on that. This was John Mark. Uh, in this this. 
man was a laborer with Paul. And uh, in 2 Timothy 4.11 it says, Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful for me in my ministry. So we see now uh, Paul in chapter 13, it, it goes into, but John Mark and others were being recruited. You know what? In this church, God probably, I'm not in charge of that, is probably recruiting somebody, working in their heart to be a minister, to preach. Not to mention any names, but, you, you know, pray for that because that's how God raises up men to serve him. How do I know that? 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. As this word goes out, I pray that it would... Uh, Touch somebody's heart to follow Christ in serving Him in that manner. Amen. So pray about that. Pray God would raise up men and women to serve Him. We find in chapter 5, many were added to the church. Many were added to the church even though there were those coming against it. What was the promise we saw last week? And I will tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And so we see here the church growing in spite of persecution. And uh, uh, in chapter 8, persecution led to more evangelism. Chapter 12, the word of God we find here, it says, increased in spite of Herod. You know, it's interesting, uh, Voltaire who was a philosopher who hated Christianity. He said within 50 years of his death, and he was born in 1694 and died in 1778, he said uh, in 50 years of his death that Christ would be forgotten. What arrogance. What arrogance. You know, God has a sense of humor because the Geneva the Geneva Bible Society printed thousands of Bibles in his former home. Isn't that amazing? But where there is true church growth, the Word of God is central. The Word of God increased. Now the Word of God, His Word was being written still and being completed, but I don't think that's what He's saying here. I think he's saying the church growth was going on. It was increasing. Uh, uh, people were coming to Christ. The gospel was being preached. People were hearing the word of God and coming to God. Uh, and of course we know Romans ten seventeen. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. It's God's word. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. When you witness to somebody, give them the word of God. It's the word of God that is powerful. And it should be central in our, in our uh, discussions. There's a lot going on today. 
and it's not the word of God being preached in the churches and it's sad a lot of entertainment a lot of other things uh, maybe even church growth but what about real uh, heart change repentance and then we see uh, the difference between Herod and ourselves is only a matter of degrees these are just a few observations let me ask you, are you a glory thief? Are you a glory thief? And I'm speaking to myself here. Don't flatter yourself into thinking that you are much better than Herod. That's a pretty big statement. He was receiving glory, worship due to God alone. You know, it's one thing uh, to worship a false god, but it's an, quite another thing to say you are God. God is very jealous for his glory. Did you know that? He is very jealous for his glory. Where in your life are you receiving glory? Where in your life do you boast about who you are, what you are? Uh, Isaiah 42.8, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. Isaiah 43.7, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, who I formed and made. We live for God's glory. Be careful of receiving credit where credit isn't due. God gets all the credit. Everything in your life, he gets credit for. Let me ask you, don't you just love it when you get praised? What part of you loves that? Your flesh? See, your flesh loves to hear praise. Oh, I'm wonderful. Yes, you're right. Oh. We all love that, do we not? I mean, better than you think I am. Makes you feel good. We're in a feel-good society today. We savor it. We even do good works, hoping everybody finds out. When was the last time you did anything good without letting somebody else know? That's convicting. You know, it's amazing how we can boast and be proud of our gifts, our looks. Our upbringing, our lineage, education, our works, our job, our bank account, our possessions, houses, children, even our theology. Did you hear what I said? Boasting about what you know. What does knowledge do? 
puffs up. I know it all. If you say, I know it all, you're really in trouble. To know Christ. Now, that's knowing all that you need. Christ is all we need. Theology should humble us. Not whether we're Baptist. You know, we do it this way, and if you don't, da 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 and you're not in the real church. Well, we're Presbyterians. We believe that. I think it makes God sick. God's word, truth, should do what? Not boast something to boast about, brag about, but to be humbled over. Wow. God saved a worm like me. God saved a worm like me. At the cross, the song, he says in there, he died for a worm like me. Well, I think it's been changed, I think, the words, but uh, he originally, I think it said, and of course, uh, we are mere worms. Boy, this is great. You know, you can go out to talk to people after church and say, well, what did you learn today in, in uh, church? He told me I was a worm. Isn't that great? <laughs> How uplifting. But I'm a worm. Yes, we are. <laughs> worms who are saved by grace. But we're still worms. Full of self. Boasting. Bragging. And our abilities, our gifts. Romans eleven thirty six says, For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Think about that verse. Memorize it. From him. Don't boast of anything you have. Abilities, gifts. From him all blessings flow. Through him. You can't boast of anything you're able to do or accomplish. He gives you the strength, the endurance, even to persevere in the faith. You're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, 1 Peter 1.5 tells us. Even in the matter of faith itself, it's a gift. You didn't figure it out on your own. No, it was revealed to you. Give God the glory. Stop taking the glory. Oh, I'm not taking it. Yes, you are. Because it was you. It was you. No, it wasn't you at all. To him, it says, to him. He has created all things for his own good pleasure and his glory alone. 
So what does God have in store for glory thieves? Well, for glory thieves like Herod, who were, are not saved, or not believers, or Christians, only judgment. But what about those of us who know Christ, who are full of self-pride and self-love and self-worship and self-righteousness? You know what? There's hope for us. What can we do? 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins of all those things, you know, glory thieves, confess that you are a glory thief, that you've been robbing God of His glory in whatever area that might be now. I'm not, you know, that the list is endless. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He gets the glory. Let me ask you right now, how are you robbing God of His glory? In what ways? And I'm closing with this. Because Ephesians 1 9 says, It is God who works in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. It is God who is at work in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. What is it said? He gets the glory. Go back and read Ephesians 1 and try to get some glory out of that. No. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Isn't that amazing? That God would so love us that He would have mercy on us and save us who are wretched, who are worms, that shake our fist in His face. And that same God saves us by His grace through faith. He saves us by grace through faith. Not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. Just bow your heads right now. I want you to examine your heart. And confess to God where you need to confess where you've been taking the glory. Don't sweep it under the rug. Don't, oh, that doesn't apply to me. And that's not me in any way, shape. Yes, it is. Don't point a finger at Herod and there are three fingers pointing back at you. Where have you been robbing God of His glory? Let the Holy Spirit convince you and then repent. Repent and turn from taking the glory that He deserves. Our Father, this morning, uh, we confess that we are wretched that we are miserable sinners without your grace, that we sin against you every day in thought, word, and deed. Lord, it's only by your grace and your mercy that you saved us, and we give all praise and glory to you. Help us, Father, 
to not take credit where we can't take credit. Show each one here this morning where they have been taken to credit and give us grace to repent and to turn to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. In his name we pray. Amen.